With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Down the Drive podcast. DownTheDrive.com is your home for all things Cincinnati basketball. And for the second week in a row, this podcast is hosted podcast is hosted by two very passionate Cincinnati alums. You have myself, Mike Schneid, and my co-host, Scotty Whitehouse. How's it going, everybody? And before we really jump into things, some really exciting news. Found out earlier today that this podcast is now on iTunes. So, other than going to just downthedrive.com to check it out, make sure you subscribe and give us a good rating on iTunes and Spotify as well. You can find us on both of those platforms. So we're going to focus big, big win for the football team. That's six and one ball eligible for the second straight season. Wasn't the prettiest or easiest win against Tulsa. Um, but we're going to focus solely on basketball and on men's basketball. We got a new basketball coach, nine straight tournament appearances and really an entirely new roster. So Scotty and I are just going to kind of walk through our thoughts on the whole coaching situation our thoughts on the returning roster, some of the new guys, some of the guys that left. And at the end, we'll give our formal um, official preview and predictions for the record for the season. Anything for you to add? No, sounds awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to diving into this team. I've had a lot of thoughts going into the offseason, so I'm ready to get going and share what I think this team is capable of doing. So let's do that. Let's talk. Um you know, I don't, I don't want to spend much time on this because I think we all spent a little bit too much time over the last 13 years talking about McFronin, but I feel like before we really talk about this year's team, you kind of just need to close the loop a little bit. 13 years is a, a really long time. And, you know, we talk about these coaching searches every three years for football. So Mick kind of checked all the boxes that you look for in a coach. He was a hometown, a homegrown guy. Born and raised in Cincinnati, Cincinnati grad, had family in the city. He was our guy, and now he's not. So, (laughs) to me, back in like April and May, it was a little bit awkward and a little bit weird, to be honest, because you know I I mentioned this last last week. My freshman year is when Mick took over. So the only basketball coach I've ever known is Mick Cronin. So it's a little weird, a little awkward. But right now, it's a lot more. I feel a lot better now. And look, I, we can get into this more. I didn't want to fire him after the Iowa game. After the Nevada game is a little bit of a different story, but I always <laughs> did. I, I thought what he was doing was good and we were stable. So I, I wasn't a fan of, I didn't want to fire him, but when he left, I'm not going to say that I was upset and it was certainly the right move for him to leave. And it was certainly the right move for the school to kind of reset and start over a little bit. Yeah, I think so. As I had mentioned before, you know, when I got at the University of Cincinnati, I wasn't the biggest Bearcats basketball fan when I kind of quote unquote converted my religion, although I'm still a practicing Hoosier fan. Um, I, I've only known Mick Cronin. And so, 
I don't ever think that I was anti Cronin from a perspective of ever firing him. Just like you had said, um, was I disappointed in some of the early tournament um, exits? Yes, but they weren't from the recent exits. It was the exits similar to, or that would regards to like Houston or, uh, or not Houston, uh, Harvard is what I was trying to say, or the exit with against, uh, St. Joseph's, uh, or St. Joe's, whatever the one where Octavius had that dunk. I that was St. Joseph's. Harvard was pretty bad too because we were a five. Harvard. Right. It, losses like that, that's where I get frustrated. Um, but I will say the Nevada game, the Iowa game, um, was I disappointed? Absolutely. But I wasn't, I never thought it was Mick's fault. Uh, I, I was one guy who wasn't an apologist, but I never was like, that's Mick. He doesn't know how to coach in March. So that's my sort of background on my thoughts with Mick. As far as him leaving, you know what? Um, I was sad because of the consistency. You knew what you were going to get every single year with University of Cincinnati. Hard-nosed, bloody, um, fighting their way through games, playing unbelievably great defense and winning a ton of games. And then you also knew on the back end, hey, once we get to the tournament, uh, you know, you can go for a run, but you got to have some sort of offense. My only issue with Mick was never his coaching style. It was recruiting players, uh, recruiting more offensive players. He would recruit these athletes, and we know, and then try to convert them and say, I'm going to teach you defense. But he never taught them offense. And the only offense we saw from them be a Cumberland or um, Sean Kilpatrick was their own athletic ability on offense. That wasn't a Cronin offense. That was their own. And so you'd have those glimpses of, Oh my God, this one particular person is so great. Well, that's, that wasn't the team. We never talked about the team's offense. We always talked to the individual players. So that was my only beef with him was he never recruited that. Um, we'll talk about what I think in the future is going to happen with that aspect. But, but that was my only issue with Cronin. See, there's kind of two ways to look at all these tournament losses. So I think the word I was looking for before was uncomfortable. I just felt uncomfortable with him leaving because, like you said, you knew what you were getting. You mm-hmm. knew the type of team you had. You knew you were probably going to make the tournament. You just didn't know what was going to happen after that. You just you weren't really going to go very far, and you kind of had to hold your breath and, and say a prayer. So mm-hmm. the thing with the tournament runs is that, He's lost, so we made the Sweet 16 in the one year, and then he lost to an Ohio State team that made the Final Four. His first tournament run, you lost to the eventual champion, UConn. You lost to the 37-0 Kentucky team. Lost to Lonzo Ball's UCLA team. You can't fault him for all of these losses. Yes, the Harvard loss was horrible. The Nevada loss, I don't want to talk about the Nevada loss, but, you know, losing to Creighton, in 2013, they would have probably lost to Duke in round two. They lost that game to St. Joe's that you mentioned. They probably would have lost to Oregon. And last year against Iowa, they probably would have lost to Tennessee. Now, the problem with that mentality is, well, why would they have lost to the two or the three seed? Whose fault is that? And, of course, that's Mick Cronin's fault. So mm-hmm. it, there's so many ways to look at it, and I think – it's just about complacency, and I think it just became complacent. I think it be- it got to the point where, yes, he was having success, but it became pretty obvious that his style, his recruiting, he was never going to elevate this team. Yeah, complacency is a perfect word. We were very comfortable with where we were, but I love – this is one thing I love about the fans. I love about the program at University of Cincinnati. 
was we didn't want to continue to sleep be comfortable. I'm coming from a perspective of Indiana Hoosiers. We Indiana Hoosiers, that entire fan base is we are a blue blood. You aren't anymore. Sorry, you just aren't. And you want to know why? Is when you miss tournaments consecutive multiple years, sorry, you're just not a blue blood, okay? And so coming from the here to or coming from Indiana to Cincinnati, and again, this is the only kind of perspective I'm able to throw at you is is I there is jealousy. There is that, oh my gosh, you guys are in the tournament every year, your consistency. Does it have to do with the conferences? Absolutely. We're not going to be blind to that. We're not going to say, oh well, you know, you put if Indiana comes to the AAC, do they make tournaments every year? Probably they, because the Big Ten is so tough. However, it's still the fact that we put them in there. UC got to the tournament every single year. That was fantastic. But I love the fact that UC is like, we want more. And again, it was never that bad breakup. That's the thing is when Mick comes back, if he ever comes back for this, you know, reunion years and years down the line, I don't think, I think everyone's going to, you know, there were still some anti-Mick pro Huggins guys, but for the majority, people are going to applaud him winning multiple um, conference championships, um, developing a great defensive program, putting this on the map. I mean, it, Cincinnati was known again as one of those hard-nosed, hard-fought basketball teams. You didn't want to face them because you'd leave and with an ice pack all over your body. That's what Mick Cronin was able to provide. So we move on from that. And we move on to the new era. So what are your thoughts when the hire came in with John Brandon? You know, I was, I was happy. Um, I was certainly, so I'm not going to pretend that I know everything about John Brandon. You know, I know what I read and I know that he's made the NCAA tournament two of the last three years. Uh, he kind of built Northern Kentucky up from nothing, but the John Brandon, like prototype is what I wanted in a head coach. I wanted a young, Hungry guy who's looking to move up, who had previous head coaching experience, who had coached in big games before. That was the type of coach I wanted. And for, you know, for reasons that are now becoming more and more obvious, Mike Bone and his lieutenants locked in on Brandon from seemingly day one. So I have no issues. I never had any issue with the hire. I trusted that Bone was going to get the guy he felt was the best, but and I'm not going to – I mean, some people were upset about it. I know people were freaking out and in full panic mode with all the transfers and stuff that we'll get to. But, you know, I thought it was the right move at the right time to to hire him. I did not want Frank Martin. That was the name no. that came up. He's made one NCAA tournament in seven years in South Carolina. Yep. Yes, it was a Final Four. But, you know, what, what do you do the other uh, six years? And Nick Van Exel was another name that fans were passionate about. You can't make nine straight – tournaments and then take a major leap of faith and hire a guy like Nick Van Exel. So, yeah, I mean, Brandon is the type of guy. I'm not going to pretend that I, that he was my personal number one choice. I don't know that I had one, but I was really happy at the time. What about you? Slam dunk. Uh, he was my number one guy, local guy. Uh, have uh, Just was thrilled to get him. As soon as Mick left, uh, I marked him as my number one go get. Um, local wants to be here. I, I think is a huge factor. I wanted somebody who wasn't gonna. I, I, I hate using the term steps stepping stone program, and I don't think Cincinnati basketball is at all. But there's always that fear of, hey, um, you know, you get a coach. Let's talk about Xavier a little bit. You know, Chris Mack, local guy, whatever. He winds up leaving for the bigger program. 
I don't know if I see that with John. I think he comes in. He's again being super local. Uh, I, I'm I'm ecstatic about it. And the biggest thing I'm ecstatic is it's a change of perspective from what we're going to see on the court. No more just terrible offensive sets. No more <laughs> ISOs. We're going to actually be able to watch some some basketball being played, I think, on both sides. I'm not saying he's just an offensive guru. I've watched a lot of Northern Kentucky games. College basketball is my baby. This is the one sport I watch almost every single game. I try to watch every single team, get an idea of where they are. I was the only one in the 200 bracket last year that had Texas Tech in the finals, uh, in the championship. I actually had Texas Tech winning the whole thing, and I was that close. I had Texas Tech, Virginia in the championship, and I had Texas Tech winning, went to overtime. That's a humble brag right there. Having said that, <laughs> Um, and I would have won a lot of money and the, the person who won had Virginia and I hate that. Anyways, long story short, I it was very ecstatic about what he was able to do at NKU and I'm very ecstatic to what he's going to be able to do here now bringing on, um, his coaching staff is very important and he's got a great coaching staff that he brought over. So, so, um, long story short, I, I mean, I, I'm ecstatic with all of this. Uh, I know I keep using the word ecstatic, but that's how excited I am. I'll tell you, the second that hire happened, we went out and got season tickets. So I will be at every single basketball game. Um, my wife's very excited about it. We're just, uh, I'm loving life right now for the team. Yeah, I think that's the thing is I think, you know, the problem with Mick and the, the good thing with Brandon is that the fan base was certainly split. You know, I didn't want to fire Mick. You had a lot of people that did. A lot of people were over him. They were sick of it. They, they were sick of the offense. They were sick of the excuses and the losing. And once a fan base kind of gets fractured like that, you're not going to recover. So the school was kind of divided. So that's why, I mean, yes. I think everyone is unanimously on board with John Brandon. Mm-hmm. I have not seen one person utter one negative word about this guy. I, I think he's, yeah, I think he's been an unbelievable fit for the first few months. I think he came right in. Obviously, he went right to work. He had to remake pretty much the entire roster. And I think you you hit the nail on the head with this point. I'm excited to see, you know, if you're checking a score on your phone, for example, and you see a score is 46-45, <laughs> you might be like, all right, so we won by one, you know, ugly game, but we won. And then you might do a double take and realize that it's halftime because it's possible <laughs> that we're up 46-45 at the half. I was at uh, MSG like five or six years ago for a game. It was 46, 45 was the final score uh, between Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. And Florida was the, I'll never forget. Florida was the game after and Florida fans were like, is the scoreboard right? Like it says it's, it's the second half. Are you guys about to, is this game over? Is this game ending at this score? I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm embarrassed, but yeah, we have 46 points, but we're going to win. So that's okay. Yep. Um, yeah, I'm definitely excited. I mean, you hear about this 94-foot offense, and he's going to run up and down the court, the tempo, and I've certainly been watching some of the NKU tape just to see what they were capable of doing, and it's a really fun and exciting system. And he brought in a lot of new guys, a lot of exciting returning guys, so we'll see if those guys can fit that system. Yeah, I love the stat back when Mick was playing or Mick was coaching was was – there's, it was one year that if they were scoring more than 60 points, they were something like 35 and two. All they had to do, UC had to do was score more than 60 points and they would win because really? that's, that's, how, a, that's, a, yeah. that's a weird concept. So it was something, it was some sort won? of crazy, 
it was some sort of crazy stat that if Cincinnati, because they held their, they had the other team to such low scoring that all they had to do was score. So, so it was, again, it was these 45 to 40 games. It was these 52 to, yeah. So th- that changed, um, about two years ago once our offense started picking up and Cumberland came in. But I remember, I think it was Detroit Compain, the year we, we played, um, Purdue. That whole year, there was something, some crazy stat where they scored more than 60. They won every single game. That was literally, that was the factor. So, you don't have to worry about that anymore. It just seems like a weird concept that if you score points, you're going to win in basketball. I don't know. (laughs) Seems weird. I should have I see what you're saying there. I I didn't pick up what you're putting down. It's been a long day. My brain's not, my brain's a little fried. I see what you're putting down now. I should have looked this up before we started, and I'll tweet this out or I'll write about this during the week. I want to look up how many times in 13 years did Cincinnati win? Scoring 50 points. Yeah. Because I'm it happens serious. so often. I mean, yep. I mean, you have teams like North Carolina and your Indiana that score 90 and they lose. It's, yeah. it's crazy. So the one thing, so you brought up Indiana and there's one more thing on the, on the two, on the coaching contrast. I have a lot of friends that went to Indiana and it's heartbreaking to them when I'm sitting here watching the Cincinnati in March and they're not, they're not watching their team and, and it sucks. And you see that it weighs on them. So now with John Brandon, what are your personal expectations and goals? Are you still like, and this has been kind of the debate on Bearcats Twitter. It's like, do you still have to make the tournament every year? Or are you willing to kind of go every other year, miss a year or two here and there, if it means going further in the years that you make it? So that's a really loaded question. <laughs> yeah, that's a loaded question. And you um, get it all. Who knows? Maybe, maybe Brandon really is the yeah, greatest coach. Yeah, I was going to say my goal is get to get it all. it all. I, I think, I, I think there's no reason why we can't get it all. I think there's no reason that every single year we're making the tournament and then every two to three years we make a big run. Um, for this particular year, I, my, I'll just give you a very broad preview. I think we'll have a better year this year than we will next year. Um, and that's just because of all the players we have, all the leadership we have. And we, we they're all going to be gone after next year. So, but, uh, do I expect it every single year? Yeah. I'm sorry. I do. And that's just maybe from seeing it for the last nine years. But yeah, there's no reason, uh, you know, Mo Egger was talking about it. It's not that hard to make the, the NCAA tournament. I mean, it's really not, you know, you've got multiple ways to do it. You, you win your conference outright or you win your conference in the regular season. Nine times out of ten, you're making the tournament, especially in the AAC. You win your conference tournament, you're in. Or if you just have a pretty good season and you, you win some good games here and there, you have these, what do they call those quad wins, quad one, quad two wins, you're in. So there's multiple ways to get in. So I, this whole, when so, a team doesn't make a tournament, it, there, there are going to be years where maybe UC doesn't make it, but that is not good. And those are the, be the years I'm going to be as a fan. I'm going to be pissed because there's no reason that you can't get enough of a talent, especially in this area, to make the tournament every single year. It's just, like, it's not that hard. And that's my issue right now with Indiana. I'm like, what are you doing? You know, so that, don't get me started, but that, that's, that's, yeah, I think Brandon's going to be just fine with that aspect. And like you said, this year's team is going to be very good. And I think that's really, really important. I think. You know, obviously in the weeks and kind of the month after Brandon was hired, the sky was falling and everybody was leaving the program. And I think people really started to question things. So to me, if, you know, if, if we make the tournament this year and maybe make a little bit of a run and win a couple of games, I think it will excuse him 
if he does miss the tournament next year, because you'll lose Jaron Cumberland, who's arguably one of the five or six best players in all of college basketball this season. So you're going to lose him. You're probably going to take a step back. But that's why I think it's so important that he got Cumberland back. He got the cousin. He got a lot of really good players for this season so they can go make a run. And then he can go put in his system and get his guys over time. And he, he gets a little bit of a grace period to me if he can make a run this season. Let me be clear. I don't think next year he doesn't make the tournament. And we're talking, you know, in advance. I know we're just kind of, uh, you know, previewing here or whatnot. I have enough faith in his X's and O's that I don't care what kind of team you put him on. Yes, obviously you're going to have to need to have talent, but already with our classes coming in next year, um, what, who we've got coming back most likely after this year, I still think our team's going to be just fine enough to make the tournament. Now, will they be stacked where I think they can make a run at this thing? Probably not. But again, we're talking about making it every single year. That should be goal number one. And then goal number two is to get far. There's going to be some years you'll be like, guys, I'm, Last year, I was happy to make the tournament. I, um, starting out the year, everyone's lying to themselves. They said, oh, my gosh, I mean, our team, w- there's no reason why we just don't beat Iowa, and then we might beat Tennessee. No, Ed, bullshit. And I'm sorry for cussing there, but everybody was thinking back in the day, or at the beginning of last year, hey, we might not make the tournament this year. Well, all we've got is Cumberland. That's all we got. And then, boom, they did really well. And there's a lot of fans who said, they, yeah, they knew it. But I can tell you right now, I didn't. I thought last year was going to be a downer year, and you still made it. So um, next year, I think it'll be fine. This year, I think it's going to be fine. That's why I said it's going to be a roller coaster. It's going to be up and down. There's going to be a lot of games, and we'll go through the games. But there's a lot of games that are going to be frustrating as they all get out, and there's going to be a lot of games that are going to be like, that was a ball of fun. That was a good time, and that's why I love being a fan. Yeah, i got to be honest. I thought we would sink last year. And yeah, see? I, I did too. I admitted it. I also didn't think I – okay. So never at any point last year did I think that team was good. And I don't know, maybe I just have really high expectations, but I just, I mean, it was, if Cumberland scores 25, we win. If he doesn't, we yeah. lose. It was a pretty simple, t- it was a pretty simple concept last year. I just, I really thought it was one of Mick's best coaching jobs. I just did not think that that I team agree. was that talented, which is why the loss to Iowa, yes, it bothered me, but it wasn't the end of the world because, you know, kudos to Mick. We got a seven seed. We won the conference tournament. And so that kind of brings me to, to the next point is that all these guys started to leave when Mick left. And everyone's freaking out. The sky is falling. The program's in shambles. I'm not sure that – so five guys – obviously we lost Justin Jennifer and Kate Broom. I think those are big mm-hmm. losses to graduation. But of the five guys that transferred, I'm not really heartbroken about any of them. Like, I could live without all five of those guys. The only guy that left that I was, like, upset about was the one guy who wasn't even ever really here, which was Curtis. Smarty Curtis. That was the only one. Oh, I was right. like, damn. That's it. Of the other well, guys, really I'm like, transfer, though. I mean, he just, he that's what I'm talking about. Hand. Of all the guys that, that were, exactly what I'm telling you is what I agree. I agree. There was nobody there that I was even like, oh my God. Nice here, Brooks. You know, he's a stud down below. Like, it just is what it is. He's a beast. And that was tough. We're losing, we're losing some height. We're losing some body there. But nobody else was like, oh my gosh, like, this is the end of the world. You know, Logan Johnson, I'm like, eh. 
He was okay. He didn't, he didn't, it didn't impress me that much. He wasn't he that was great. okay. At the time, he was the only point guard. So it's like, oh, well, yeah. point guard. I like Nasir Brooks. I like the way that Nasir Brooks developed. I wouldn't be upset if he was on the roster, but. Right. I mean, yeah, I, he was definitely useful. Rayshon Fredericks was, I, I hope Rayshon's not listening to this or anybody close to him. I, I <laughs> used to text my dad about this all the time. Rayshon Fredericks to me had the most useless year of any Bearcat in the McCronin era. I, he, I had high expectations. He was like the top ranked Juco prospect coming out. So I had high expectation for him. He was, he was really bad. He averaged two points a game. Um, Eliel Sasami, he, he won't be missing. We'll pull hard in it. We, we hardly knew you. Wish we didn't know you, but we hardly knew you. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm not broken up about any of these guys. And the whole thing, and you mentioned Tamari Curtis, he was our only recruit. Mick Broden was bringing in one freshman. What have and, I been saying? And this is what I'm talking about, the recruiting, the recruiting, and look what Brandon's been able to do already. I mean, let's – I mean, this is – that is right there. What you just said is my one beef with Mick is recruit, recruit, recruit. Terrible recruit, with it. Right. Terrible with recruiting. So the 2018 recruiting class, I'm going to read you these names. And hopefully you don't hang up on me because I want to keep talking after after this. Don't put your head through a wall or anything. His four recruits in the 2018 recruiting class, Logan Johnson, Rayshon Fredericks, Laquil Hardnett, and um, Prince Toyami. That's a, one of the worst recruiting classes in the history of college basketball. That's tough. And he was going to follow that up with one guy, Samari Curry, yeah. who I think would have been good, but – now we bring in, there's three new freshmen and there's four new transfers. And I'm pretty excited about all these guys. I think they all bring something, something different to the table. They all kind of, they're all going to fill a role. You got a couple of big guys. You got Javen can shoot. Um, I mean, so tell me, why don't we start with the transfers before we talk about the freshmen? I mean, obviously we're probably both excited for Javen, but what about Javen and Chris Boyd and, uh, Jay Cerullo, are you excited about with these guys? And Chris McNeil, how's you excited about these guys? So, I, absolutely. So, um, one guy I'm, I'm pumped about that I, I know everyone's like, oh, well, he didn't do even much at NKU was Chris Boyd. Now, Chris Boyd had, and I can't remember who he was behind at NKU, but there was another center at NKU who Chris was behind. So those numbers are a little flawed when you look at his stats. He's 7-1. He's a big dude. And, I don't care how long it takes per game, but there will be every time he comes in a multiple possessions that that defense will have to adjust to get and understand his game. So that is somebody who's very, very sneaky that is going to be able to get us a few points here, a few points there when uh, John goes ahead and throws him in. Um, so that's as far as the transfer. That's one other than, uh, you know, other than Javen uh, or Javen, whatever. But he's one that I'm really excited about. Again, and that's just for the size. Um, I do have – this is my first time on admitting this. This is all I'm going to say is I have an inside. I have an inside – I have an inside uh, – oh, what's the best word to describe it? I have, I have a person on the inside who gives me some some information. A source. Is a source. And I will never say who that is. I will never say anything that's going to ever put down uh, – Anything that's going to, um, you know, hurt him or hurt the program or whatever. But he said that Chris is way better than people think and he is killing it in practice. So that's all I'm going to say about him. I'm very looking forward to as far as that transfer. That's, 
Yeah, I mean, that's awesome. And the guy, uh, I'm, people get excited about that. That's somebody who nobody was really thinking about. He's gonna, he's gonna make an impact. Whether you don't, people don't realize it, he's gonna make an impact and be like, wow, where did he come from? He's always been there. No one's noticed. So I have an inside guy too. I, I okay. Know who it is. I, I was trying to do an article on Chris McNeil, trying to get some background on this guy who's been on now four teams in four years. I reached out to Justin Johnson, who averaged 15 points on the 2015-16 Western Kentucky team. And I'm going to spoil something that I'm putting in an article at the beginning of next week. But I basically asked Johnson, you know, who is Chris McNeil? Like, why should Cincinnati fans be excited? Like, what was your impression of him as a teammate? And, I mean, look, he was there for one year, so he could have said, this could have gone a million different ways, this response. He actually did get back to me. He said, and I'm quoting here, reminded me a lot of CP3 with his style of play. He was a basketball mm. junkie, wanting to get better daily, always asking for help to get better. He's the guy you want on your team. The ability to take care of the ball and pass it, I look forward to following him this year. We stay in touch if there's ever anything he needs. So, and he's, he started that quote with Chris is a great teammate. His upside was tremendous. I, I skipped that part for some reason. So, high praise from okay from a former teammate at Western Kentucky. So I'm excited to see what this guy's done. He's you don't often see journeyman as, as a phrase in college sports, but this guy's been on four teams in four years. I think he's going to play a huge role. I think he'll start sometimes, if not all the time. I think he'll finish games. I think it just kind of depends on the matchup if they want Jaron to run the point and run the offense through him fully, or if they want more fluidity, uh, Brandon might play McNeil. So I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah, definitely Voight and obviously Javon Cumberland as well. Yes, absolutely. Um, Cumberland's obviously going to be a stud on the offense, so we know that he's going to be killing it. Let's talk a little bit about the freshman. What is a freshman that you're – Really looking forward to, it. and I think we're gonna have the same one. So, Harvey, of course, right? It's Harvey I mean, because because you're talking about next year, and you're like you're unsure on next year, and I'm unsure on next year. I will be much more sure if this guy is for real, and yes. we'll see how good he is. We'll see how many shots he can get off. Uh, he'll obviously be behind both Cumberlands and Williams and more, but I have really high expectations for Harvey. Usually when I have high expectations for a freshman, it never, ever, ever ends well for them. Mm -hmm. um, but Let's I, hope that's not the case. <laughs> but everything that I've heard and read about this kid is he can just shoot the lights out. So I can't wait to see him play offense. Big, big, big props to the University of Cincinnati Athletic Department and whole with Harvey. So obviously, I don't know, I'm, I'm sure everyone knows, Harvey had some disciplinary issues, um, and that really drew away a lot of recruiting, uh, you know, coaching and, and recruiting programs. What I loved about what Mike Bone is, did was he came in and said, hey, listen, this, and I read the quote and I was like, hell yeah, I'm so proud to be a Bearcat here. Basically say, hey, listen, we're bringing in uh, Zach. He had some issues in the past. We talked to him about what a privilege it is to not only play for the University of Cincinnati, but to be a college student athlete and to have the gifts that he has. And he is absolutely doing whatever he can to be a better person all around, yada, yada, yada. And we're not going to get into it. Everyone does things, whatever. But the fact is, is that they were ahead of the ball game with that. They came out before even – it was really honestly announced that Harvey 
was recruited. And the fact that then we went after him too, uh, something we wouldn't have ever done in the past uh, program was just, I'm so proud of that. That is what I'm looking forward to with Brandon is coming in and saying, Hey, here's a guy. Let's go look at him. Let's talk to him. Let's get ahead of the game and let's make the right choice. And they killed it. Uh, I, I'm so proud of that. And I, I'm, I'm ecstatic to see what this kid's going to do. Yeah, I agree. I love the proactivity from Mike Bowen. You never mm-hmm. see that across college sports right. ever. A team kind of owning that, like, oh yeah, we recruited a kid that there's some, there's some questions, there's some question marks, but he knows it, we know it, and we're going to take care of it. And if we don't, then he's gone. I mean, I love the fact that they owned it. Uh, Jeremiah Davenport, I'm looking forward to seeing him. Yep. I know Alex Meacham on Twitter had a lot of nice things to say about him when he was, when he committed. I think he's hurt right now. I'm not sure how much we're really going to see from him because this is a pretty deep team. I wouldn't be surprised if he redshirted. And then, and then obviously Mika Adams Woods. I mean, this could be the point guard of the future. Since Mm -hmm. he's only going to be here for a year. We only have Cumberland for more than one year. I know Saunders comes in next year too. So Adams Woods is a guy that he could be a four year player. So I don't know how much he's really going to have like a major impact, but I'm just excited to watch him get his feet wet a little bit and start the developmental process. What's beauty about this upcoming team is the fact that, yes, we're going to be able to enjoy a good ride and a lot of wins and a lot of fun games, and we're going to have a lot of success. But we're also going to get glimpses of the future as the season's going to give us a really good hope and idea of what the the future's going to hold with these guys. Micah Adams-Woods is a great example of that. I've I've heard a lot of great things about him. He he has really good practices, Um, you know, again – not a lot of hype, not a ton of stuff around him. A guy who will come in and will like, oh, okay, wow, we weren't expecting that. There was a, that was a pass that we didn't know he could do. Um, there's a lot of that stuff. So I, I, I'm pretty hyped up on him as well. So I was thinking about this the other day. Jaron Cumberland comes in. I mean, I think I said before he's the top five, six player. I mean, there's no doubt that he's the top ten player in college basketball. When was mm-hmm. the last time Cincinnati had someone so accomplished in? Gary Clark obviously was amazing. And yep. was very accomplished as well. I don't think Gary Clark ever received the national hype that he probably deserved. I also think a lot of what Gary Clark did was, I mean, everything that Gary Clark did was amazing. I'm not sure that he was at the level that Cumberland is now, though. No, I totally agree. Jaron is somebody, it's special. And I was so happy that he came back. I, I posted a tweet back on, when that was, he might be leaving. I said, you know, 75% chance he comes back, 25% chance he stays, and or 75% chance he, he stays, 25% he goes to uh, the NBA, and then 100% he's going to be a, a hell of a player moving forward. It, it It's special to watch a guy who's going to be posting records that we're going to see up on those boards for a long time, and I think he's going to go down as easily. I mean, I really don't see a reason why he's not going to go down as Top, well, obviously top 10, but I mean, could possibly with this season be top five player of all time here at UC. I mean, he's just, if he can go back to back, here's the thing. He's, he's completely cements himself in that realm. If he, um, wins AAC player of the year and then there's a chance he wins, um, you know, national player of the year. And if that happens, unbelievable. And that means we're also pretty damn good because I think a lot of this, Team success rides on his shoulders, which isn't fair, uh, but it is true. And I'm not talking about just his scoring. I'm talking about his leadership and his play is, and his, his IQ. 
our team has to rely on him. He's got to get us through some of these tough games in the beginning. Yes, I agree to an extent. I think the biggest difference is we can win games this year if he doesn't score 20 points. That's exactly what I'm saying. So we're not going to rely on his scoring. Relying on his leadership and his IQ and his, his playmaking ability and drawing defenders and handing it off to his, his cousin to drain a big three or whatever it takes. Yes. He does. He, this is the year it's going to be odd because everyone thinks he's got to score a ton, but he doesn't for us to still be successful, but he does need to be involved with the plays, whether it's assist or, you know, whatever it is, but he's got to be somehow involved, I think. And that's why, yeah, I think he'll play a lot of point guard because I did to that yeah. point. I mean, I think Brandon wants to run the offense through him so that he touches mm-hmm. the ball, you know, every single possession. I, his, his assist numbers will definitely be up, but also not for nothing. The players around him are better with his cousin. I think Williams will be better. I think Trevor Moore will be better. I'm really excited about Trayvon Scott. Trayvon Scott was not a guy that I was super high on going into last season. I was really concerned about him replacing Gary Clark and Kyle Washington, and he went out and averaged nine points and seven rebounds, which is a huge increase from his three-and-three career average before last year. So I'm excited to see him continue to develop. And, yeah, I mean, what do you think about Keith Williams and Trevor Moore, if they can kind of take the next step or if they just – they are who they are or – I am a big Keith Williams guy a little bit more than Trevor Moore. I don't know why, just, just am, but, um, I think both have the ability to come in and, and leave a really good mark on a few games where we're like, Oh, that was a huge game by Moore. Man, Williams really stepped up, but yeah, no, I think, I think we know who they are and that's okay. I think we need those type of players to come in, make a basket or two, make a good defensive play. And those guys also have been here in the Cronin era, so they that defensive IQ that they've they've been able to develop, they can continue to play. And I, that's where I think they're going to really help out is on the defense. So this is – they have a really challenging schedule, which is awesome. It's awesome for fans to see, you know, real teams on the schedule for once, but it kind of comes at a rough time where we're going to be a team in transition for a month or so with all these new guys trying to gel together and build chemistry and learn this new system. So looking at the non-conference and then going into AAC play, I have my, I kind of want to break it down by non-conference and by conference. Should we reveal our overall records now or do you want to do it? Why don't we go through each game or kind of each little section, see what we are thinking of and then kind of give our full, our so full breakdown of what we got. Each section. So we open up obviously at Ohio State. I don't, I have this as a loss. Unfortunately, I think Ohio State's a tough team. Uh, made the second round of the tournament last year. Caleb Wesson, who absolutely destroyed Cincinnati in that opener last year. He'll be back. They return a lot of guys. I, it's going to be really hard for a team with all these new players and a new coach trying to gel together to win this game, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think that just comes to the fact of traveling, college basketball, first game. There's so many factors that come into it. Um, we go in there and steal a win. I mean, that's just unbelievable, but I agree. I'm not upset. If, I don't want to get smoked. I don't want to lose by 25, obviously. Um, but, uh, you know, we stick, we stick within, um, you know, within 10. I'll be very happy with that. But then this, yeah, I mean, hopefully they just, you know, they come out. I, I don't want to believe in moral victories. We're way, way past that at Cincinnati. But yeah. know, come out, look good, uh, show some show some good signs. And then I think 
the reason why I think it's good to just show some good signs is this next portion of the schedule, they could make some noise and they could win some games. You have Drake, Alabama A&M, this Paradise Jam. So I have them winning, what is this, the next eight games after that, or seven games, beating Drake, beating Alabama A&M, sweeping the Paradise Jam. And then they have two really tricky games against UNLV and Vermont aren't terrible teams. I'm glad you highlight. So I agree with everything you're saying. The games like Vermont, and I'm going to throw another one out there. Obviously, we know Xavier. We'll talk about that in a second. But then Colgate. Yeah. Those are games that are, I call those career-building games. Um, you know, IU has those, um, and UCs has those too, where you're playing a team where maybe they're not, quote-unquote, very well-known, or they're like, oh, my gosh, it's Vermont. Come on, it's Vermont. And our players, even I don't care how how much John talks to them, they know that, oh, hey, next week or um, in four days is Xavier. We can sleep a little bit on Vermont and then go in and play Xavier. Well, what's going to happen is I guarantee at that halftime against that Vermont game, that's going to be a less than 10-point game, probably, probably heck, it might be a less than 5-point game. And those boys, that's going to be a huge learning moment for them. Can they turn around? and win a tough game like that. Vermont's going to come in and go, I'd love to come in and ruin your party. So those are the type of games that we talk about it back with the Bearcats football team, whether you're a good team or a great team, you win those games, you lose those games. The Vermonts, the Colgates, the UNLVs, those are games where you, you, you do what you can to win and you learn as much as you can because there's a daunting task after that. Uh, but I do have them beating Vermont. Um, and going on there, I have the same record, yeah. Yeah, but I agree. And also, I mean, look, as a fan, and even if you're a player, I'd rather play Vermont and Colgate and Drake than four or five different Alabama A&Ms. And sure, they do play Alabama A&M. They need a team like that on the schedule. Of course. But we just, we played Alabama A&M like eight times a season. And, it, you know, you wonder why attendance is down. And you wonder why Cincinnati gets no respect in the polls. It's because you're playing ten teams from the swag. So sure. I love. And it. I mean, also, you're, gonna, that, you're right. They so probably will, they honestly probably will struggle against Vermont and Colgate, and that's okay. They should struggle. Just something to build on. Yep, and that also is a big factor. Uh, it's a big uh, kudos to, to John Brandon who comes in and says, "Hey, you don't have as many games to select." I know Vermont was one of them that he said, "Okay, well, I could put in an Alabama and A and M, but I'd rather go out and play in a Vermont." Um, or play a Colgate. I think Colgate might better than the other one. Whatever it was, he went out and found a couple not easy games and said, would you want to come in here and play? So kudos to him to have the balls to come in here and throw those games on the schedule. I love that. I think it's great. So yeah, um, like I said, those are, those are, um, you know, career, I call them career building, you know, like from the, from your office or business perspective, but character building games is what I meant to say, probably character building games. So, Absolutely. uh, and- let's talk about, yeah, Sorry, before we get to the Xavier, so the Paradise Jam for like the 19th straight year we're playing in a BS tournament and it sucks, but <laughs> my my hope is that we not only win it and win every game by 20, but let's go play Nevada in the yep. championship round of that. Their coach, I actually forgot until I looked it up just a minute ago, their coach is Steve Alford, who we have a history again. So let's go beat Nevada by 30. Let's get a little bit of payback, beat Alford again. Um, Love it. Yeah, so after we play Vermont, we play Xavier. We go to the Centa Center, a place that we haven't won 
since 2001. Mick never won at Xavier. Maybe it's not a bad thing that he's gone. So <laughs> what are your thoughts on us going to Xavier? Who, I got to be honest, I think they're going to be a really good team. I, I, they return, I know they weren't great last year, but they return everybody and they have a lot of good talented players. So December 7th is a huge day, not only for the University of Cincinnati, but for myself. So my wife is expecting, and that is her gender reveal party day. So oh. I will find out whether I'm having a boy or a girl. I'll also be able to watch the Crosstown shootout. And, which I really think is going to happen, I'm also going to be able to watch UC win an AAC championship game in football because it's the same day as that as that game. So, big day for UC Athletics, big day for Scotty Whitehouse. <laughs> I don't think we beat Xavier, though. I just, uh, Xavier's, you know, they... They're, they're pissed from last year. I, I have a lot of Xavier fans, friends, um, they're pissed. The, and, and Xavier's gonna be very solid this year. Um, so, I don't see us going in there and winning. I think we are competitive. But that's okay. That's not a game that, you know, is like, oh, that's an embarrassment. You go in. It's Centos is tough to win. Um, I was there last year when Butler was up 10 to, I think maybe even 12 points with like 4 minutes to go on Xavier and lost because of that crowd. So, Centos Center is a tough place to play. Uh, I just don't, I, I just don't think UC loses, or UC wins. So that, that's a, that's the second loss, and that's okay. That's okay. Since we started this call, I've actually waffled on this, because originally I had this as a loss, because I do think Xavier sounded. But then I think about Jaron Cumberland, and I think about some of the wins that we've had over the last three years, and I think about that look in his eyes, that look <laughs> that he just wants to go murder somebody. And I just keep thinking, is Jaron Cumberland really going to lose his last game against Xavier? Mm. I'm going to reluctantly. I'm probably going to switch out another game now just to make the win-loss record a little more even. <laughs> but I'm going to say that we're going to beat Xavier because we're going to score points. And because Jaron Cumberland is going to play 40 minutes with that look in his eyes. So Let's go. Let's go. I love it. I'm, I love it. That uh, is still not going to change my biased but, opinion. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, I wish, I wish. So then, um, afterwards you go Colgate, Tennessee, Iowa. All right. So we talked about Colgate. You think they beat Colgate? I, I do at least. At I think they beat Colgate. I think it's a closer game than expected. The yep. same point that you made before. And then and Tennessee home, Iowa, Chicago. Yeah. So what's going on with those two games? I have them losing to Tennessee, even though it's at home. I think Tennessee's a really talented team, and I, at some, they're going to lose games at some point. I think there's going to be a bit of a letdown from from the Xavier win. Okay. And what about Iowa? I, I have them beating Iowa for the same reason I have them beating Xavier. It's Cumberland is going to remember what happened last year, and he's going to play with that look in his eyes. I don't think they lose – Again, for the second straight year to Iowa. I also don't think Iowa's that good. I, I, I didn't think we were that good last year, but I think this year's team is better, and I don't think I, Iowa was not that impressive to me. We've let them just do whatever they wanted in the second half. Okay. So I have those games flipped. I have Tennessee. That's a win. I think that's a heck of a crowd. It's um, Wednesday night. I, I'm sure that'll probably be like an ESPN crowd, um, ESPN Game, you know, nine o'clock or seven o'clock game. That's going to be a, uh, that's going to be awesome. Uh, and Tennessee will lose. And then, uh, I do have UC losing to Iowa. 
I mean, it's tough to travel. Um, Iowa fans travel. It's Chicago. It's a little bit closer to Iowa. I know it's a quote unquote neutral site game, but I could still see them losing that game. So I do have them losing. So we currently have the, not the same record. You have one more win than I do. Um, yeah, I'm at 10 and 2 and you're at 9 and 3 in the non-conference. So uh, look, I, I yes. think overall our predictions are what they are, but I think you look at Iowa, Tennessee, Xavier and Ohio State as games that they could potentially lose. Those four games are obviously the four toughest games. I think if you come out of that stretch two and two, you're basically a lock to make the NCAA tournament. I, obviously, if you go three and one, you could be really special this year. If you go yes. one and three, you, you can still make the tournament. You got to just win. You just got to win some games in the in, in conference play. But they got to get at least uh, one yeah. of those wins, obviously. And so those games, uh, so I, uh, going 0 and 4, you can't do that. But, um, going 1 and 3, that's only, all it's going to do is hurt our seeding. I don't think that's going to knock us out of the tournament going 1 and 3 on those games. Cause I think we'll be fine in the AC term or the AC conference. So I'm not super worried about that. Um, I think we'll, uh, we'll get through that conference or we'll get through the non-conference pretty well. I do think, I mean, well, well heck, I said we'll go 2 and 2. I think 2 and 2 is really solid. I think you clear, you get out, you <laughs> hurt yourself, you didn't help yourself. Um, you know, but going three and one, now you're starting to say, Hey, let's get not only ranked, but let's, let's talk, talk, talking seeds. Let's talk four, five seeds as we're going to the, the conference. So now we get into conference tournaments. We got Connecticut, Tulane, Tulsa, UC, uh, UCF, um, kind of those, those four kind of blocks before we get to Memphis. So the Connecticut, it's, it's home away, home away. What do you see on those games um, for the, the the first four? I'm going four now because they're better yeah. than all these teams. And at this yep. point, they'll you know they'll be battle tested. And the two games prior to this are Tennessee and Iowa, so they'll be battle tested. And I think by January first, you'll see the team fully gel together and playing with chemistry and playing within Brandon's system. So I really want to get into UConn. I don't think we have enough time right now. We'll do it as we get closer to the basketball game and even as we get closer to the football game, I hate UConn. They're the team that I despise <laughs> more than anybody else, more than Xavier. Um, just wow. Growing, okay. It's from, from growing up in New York. Sure. I just, it's sure. just that big East attitude. I just grew up with such anger and resentment towards Connecticut. So that game will mean a lot to me. Uh, Tulane, Tulsa and UCF, I don't think are very good. So, yeah, I think we'll be 4-0 heading into that game at Memphis on a Thursday night. All right. I totally agree. What are your thoughts on Memphis? Because I have a, I have some thoughts on Memphis. What are your thoughts on Memphis? You know, I think Memphis is going to be really good. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with these freshmen. I mean, you see it with Kentucky and with Duke and some of these big-name schools that they run out lineups and lineups with freshmen. I'm not sure that they have enough returning star players to really be a factor, like to really be a Final Four team, I, I'm, I think they're going to be very good. We don't know what kind of coach Penny Hardaway is yet. He'll. This is really the first time you can judge him. I mean, he inherited a decent team last year. I am high on them. I do think they'll be very good. I think we're going to lose that first game at Memphis just because I, I'm sure the crowd. I don't know what their conference schedule is going into that, but I'm sure it'll be a near sold out crowd, and that'll. Definitely play a factor. Okay, so Memphis is either I hear I I, I hear ninety percent of people say Memphis is is going to be so good they've got all these freshmen. There's about ten percent that says this could really blow up in their face. 
I'm in that crowd. I do not think Memphis is that great. And this is comes to the fact that I haven't seen anything from them. I haven't seen what Penny Hardaway can do. Maybe he's a good coach. Maybe maybe I'm completely wrong. But I just don't believe in him. You know who also doesn't believe in him? My my man, my my gospel, my college basketball prince, Ken Palm. He's got Memphis at 50 in his rankings. He's got UC at 27. I I am totally with him. I think UC is a much more talented than Memphis. Has much more um, IQ. Has much more leadership. Has much more um, experience. I think UC goes in there and beats them. I have no problem saying that as well. And I don't think it. Everyone says I think oh the AAC is a three headed. No no no. I think it's Houston and Cincinnati that's going to be going for the AAC regular season. I just don't. I just don't believe in Memphis. I want to be. I hope. Well, I hope I'm right. I think I could be wrong, but I, I just don't believe in them. So I have UC winning that game. I, I believe I in some. I believe in some of the together with that. I just yeah yeah I don't know. I believe in some of the individual players. Like I believe that James sure. Weissman will be one of the best players in all of college basketball. I think he's going to be that good. I think, um, you know, Precious. I don't know how to say his last name, but Precious, uh, DJ Jeffries, Boogie Ellis. I do think they have. Really good individual players. So, all right. So the question becomes, is Penny Hardaway a good coach? Can really good players play together and form a really good team? I think they will be a good team. Um, I don't know if they will win the AAC. I do not think they're a Final Four team. I think the thing that they're lacking is they have, like, eight freshmen. And yeah. they don't really have a – they don't have any seniors. They don't have any upperclassmen. And I – that's what you started to see from recent Calipari teams and recent Duke teams is they do have a couple of sophomores and juniors that you could rely on. And I think Memphis yes. is missing that. Yeah, I, that's why I take, don't believe in them. I'm still going to take Memphis here. That's not necessary. I'm still going to take Memphis in this spot. I think this will be a really energized crowd. Um, and I think they'll just, they'll come together for this game. I don't necessarily believe in them, but I'm, I'm fascinated to see the team. I, right. I mean, Teams that are made up of all freshmen, more often than not, do blow up. So, we'll see. Uh, uh, yeah, like I said, I'm just, I'm just not, I'm not big on them, but, uh, we'll find out. I think that's going to be a good discussion as we move forward in this college basketball season, whether who's right on that. You're leaning towards, I think they're going to be really good. I'm leaning towards they're not. We'll see who's, uh, eating crow at the end of that, uh, <laughs> at the end of that. I, trust me, I hope it's me. I really <laughs> hope it's, I really, Really hope I'm wrong. Yeah. Uh, but it, but it is interesting because Penny Hardaway even said during media day, is like, you know, Cincinnati should be getting more respect. Jaron Cumberland should be getting more respect. I mean, he admits, he knows. I mean, he knows that Cincinnati's the veteran team and it just comes down to, to how our team comes together versus how their team does. Um, I totally agree. So that'll be a huge game. And then after that, we have four, a stretch of four games, which three of the four are at home. ECU, SMU, and Houston at home, and Temple on the road. So what do you have in those four after after Memphis? Uh, I don't know where. It's not going to be the ECU game, but there's going to be a loss in there. I just I can just kind of sniff it out where we beat Memphis. We're doing well. I just – I could see it a home – I don't want to say a home loss. I could see it as losing at Temple. I don't know why. I just, I, there's going to be a loss in there. I think we beat Houston at home, but – I don't know. That SMU game, for some reason, it's just, and it's wigging me out. So we'll see. But, um, yeah, I, I think there will be a loss somewhere in there. And that's just me being 
trying to get my wins and losses to, to be where I think they need to be, but whatever. Yeah. I think we went all four because like I said, I think we lose to Memphis and I think they kind of come together after that loss and it's a little bit of a gut check game. It's like, all right, let's, let's improve. Let's build on this loss. And I think they go on a little bit of a run and they win those four. The one thing I want to highlight from this little run, they play Houston at six o'clock on ESPN on a Saturday. Yeah. That's, the six o'clock game has become the prime time game in college basketball because they do it, um, NBA on ABC now on Saturday nights. I don't know oh. what the schedule is for that game, but look at that as a potential college game day site because the AAC does get respect and they do get a game day game once a year or once every couple of years. I know college basketball game day is nowhere near the hoopla and the excitement of football, but I feel like they need an excuse to come to the AAC. I feel like you have two teams that have played in the conference championship the last two years, a rabid fan base that is hungry and looking for respect. You have two very good teams, two very good coaches, and yeah, I think that could be a sneaky spot for a college game day game. If college game day comes, I'm going to ask you, do you have anything going on February 1st? You should come down. You can stay at my house. We will oh, go I will be in the together. front row of college game day, face painted with the signs and everything. There you go. Um, we're going together to that game then. If they come in, you gotta come down and we'll go. That's, so I have, I've got so you recorded. <laughs> so I have them going four and open. Oh, but then I have them losing to Wichita State. Yeah, I, that's a tough game. I have them winning, but I could see it going either way. That's a 50-50 game. We beat them three times last year. I don't, I think I, uh-huh. if I remember this correctly, I don't think Greg Marshall ever lost to a team three times in one season. I might yeah, be misremembering yeah. that stat, but I can't see him Again, getting swept by us. So going to Wichita State, that's tough. I think they're going to be a much improved team. They're going to contend for the tournament. We're going to beat them. And then we go to UConn. I will 1,000% be in stores. Stores, by the way, is an absolutely disgusting place. Um, (laughs) But I will be there at noon on Sunday, February 9th, for the last ever Cincinnati-Connecticut game. I will try not to get thrown out before the end. Can't make any promises. That's a win. I, I... yeah, we're going to win. We're going to win by about 45 points, I think. And I love it. Cumberland won't even play his best game. Oh. <laughs> it just, uh, UConn's just going to be scoring on our own baskets. They're just going to be just giving us points. They're, they're, just, not gonna, they're just gonna. They're just not going <laughs> to score. That's going to be the Zach Harvey game. 33 yeah. for Zach Harvey. <laughs> yeah, um, I actually have them losing that game. Um, I think at that point, Hurley's going to have the team rolling. Uh, I, I'm not worried too much about UConn in the conference, but, um, I do think that he's got one or two games that are just kind of weird, um, and they win something just random, and I think that could be a game. Well, heck, it was just last year that, um, they took, they took us, what was it, to overtime, I think? Something like that. So, uh, yeah, so I, I have them, um, I have us losing that game. Alright, and then the next game after we go at two Wichita, and two UConn, that'll be a really difficult week. And then the following week, we get Memphis at home. I have them beating Memphis at home. So a lot of what I'm doing here with Wichita, with Houston, with Memphis is going splitting is the, splitting one. the yeah. home at home. So I think we yeah. do lose at Memphis, but I think we win at home against Memphis. Okay, yeah. Um, I have them beating in Memphis mainly because I just don't believe in them. As I said, I think they're <laughs> garbage. I'm kidding. I don't want to be recorded and be like, you're never allowed back on when they're like the number one <laughs> ranked team. But, uh, no, I, I have them beating Memphis. Um, I think Memphis will, will 
should be struggling a little bit. Um, yeah, so I still have them winning. Um, I have them winning out, honestly, other than away at Houston. I just don't have them beating them at Houston. But other than that, I have them winning out. Yeah, I don't, I have them beating what you thought home. UCF is not going to be that good. They lost no. all their good players. ECU is a trap. I think we learned that last year. ECU is definitely <laughs> a trap game. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I think they'll lose at Houston. I think that'll also be payback because I think we'll win at home. USF is actually a trap game. Uh, USF is very this, good. South Florida is projected to be a really good team this year. Yes. They won I know. the CBI. Cincinnati fans know it's a CBI as we were in the first ever tournament. So they're coming off of a tournament championship. One of only three teams that can say that. Um, so yeah, I think that that'll be a tough game. And then we end the season with Temple. I'm really upset about this Temple game to end the season because for the last, I think it's six years, we've ended the season on Sunday at noon on CBS. Mm-hmm. So. That streak ends. We play Saturday night in Jaron Cumberland's last home game. That'll be a wild crowd. I mean, there's that, there's literally a negative percent chance that it was Cumberland's last home game. Yeah, no, that, that'll, that'll be a blowout. I'll be there at that game, obviously. And, um, no, I, I, I do. The UCF game, I take that back. I did, I forgot, I did have them losing at, at, uh, I'm sorry, USF. I have them losing at South Florida. Um, because for those exact reasons, um, they're good. Um, and I think they're going to be a very good surprise. I think they could easily finish, um, fourth or even hell third. They could be somehow sneaky enough to get their way up there. So, yeah. So I kind of lost track. I think so. I, I, I have them going about 24 and six, which I think is good enough to get a six, seven, six or seven seed. Uh, obviously, it's very, and it's definitely an NCAA tournament. Gonna have them 15 and 3 in American Conference play, which may or may not be enough to win it. So I had the only, we had, we were off on two games, I think. So I had them going, no, but I, but I gained one back. So you had them 20, actually you had them 24 and 6 as well. So somehow or another, we, we caught back up. So we have the same record, um, which is good. Um, just different losses. Um, yeah, so, so I guess. Beating Xavier. So I, I'm at 25 and 5. That's where it is. Oh, uh, that's right. Okay, I'll okay. So then I have Xavier making the last That's second. right. So they're going to be Xavier right. and go 25 and 5, and we'll stick with the 5 seed. They're going to be a 5 seed because of it. A 5 seed. I love that. I have them at about a 7 to 8 to 9 seed, just depending on how the season goes. You never know. Um, I don't see them anything worse than that. Maybe possibly a 10 seed, but they won't be like in a play-in game or anything like that. I think they'll be. They could be, but I, I don't think so. Oh, I, I think dread so. the day that we one day have to play in that game. But, no, I think we'll be good. I think we'll avoid the playing game. I think we'll, again, avoid the bubble. I mean, that's the one thing with this nine-year run is we've been pretty fortunate that there hasn't yep. been a whole lot of, uh, obviously, the last two years there certainly hasn't been. But the seven years prior, really no no sweating it out, no no stressing out on Sunday. You know you're going to be in. It's just a matter of who you're playing and, and what the seed is. So, I think it'll be like that again. I totally agree. I think we're going to be competing for the AC regular season. And I think obviously the tur- tournament as well. Um, I think it's a, I really do think it's a two headed race between Houston and us. I'm, I watch out for Wichita State. Watch out for, um, obviously Memphis and then watch out for South Florida. Uh, those game, those teams are, are, are going to be pretty solid. They're going to give some hiccups. They're going to, 
these, um, you know, spoilers for, for a couple teams. Um, but I, like I said, I, I do think there's, there's, I'm not expecting to win the AAC outright. Um, but I'm not, I wouldn't be shocked. So I'm right in the middle as far as the, the way it ends. And then going in the tournament, you never know. I have a conspiracy thoughts on, I, I wear the, the tinfoil hat when it comes to the, the seating that the, the, the tournament, the seating uh, selection committee is, is a joke. They're just jokes. I mean, it's somehow they somehow managed to always put Indiana and Kentucky in the same freaking bracket. <laughs> they always find a way to time. put it. Yeah, it's just so, it's so garbage. The, the seed last year at seven seed for UC was garbage. I mean, I'm glad we got it well, went up to did, Connecticut. They did it Columbus, before the weekend. But, that's why. I mean, they had it before the weekend and they never adjusted it. A hundred percent. I called, I called in the ESPN and I was talking to one of the, like their main bracketologists and I said, Hey, what happens if UC beats, um, Houston this game? And he's like, well, the, the, the selection committee comes up with two brackets, like BS, cause they clearly did not change from what the first bracket was. We not only won, we dominated that game and you're not going to change it. Like, come on. So just annoying. So I have a, I have a bold prediction and then a hot take for you to finish okay. it up. So. There's two possible sites that Cincinnati is going to play in, in the tournament. I'm going to go with Spokane, Washington. It's either going to be Spokane or Sacramento. Okay. Because they have never – last year was the first time in nine years they played a local game. They always play out west or in the middle of nowhere. So once yeah. again, they're going to go play in Spokane, Washington. My okay. hot take for you is this. I want to lose in the first round of the conference tournament. I'm not saying that that's why they haven't gone far the last two years, but with the way that John Brandon wants to play with this high-paced, highly conditioned team, I don't want to see them play three games in three days and then potentially be worn down before playing a game four days later because the, the, the championship game is on Sundays, and I think it's in Texas this year. So they're going to have to fly home from Texas on Sunday night and then potentially get up for a game at noon on Thursday. So I won't be upset if they don't win the conference tournament or if they don't even make it to the semis. Go home, get some rest, get back into shape, and get ready for the NCAA tournament because we've won it the last two years, and that was pretty cool. The NCAA tournament is the only thing that matters, and playing in the second weekend is the only thing that matters and the only thing that's going to make the season a success. Man, I would have literally for what everything you said, I would have said, are you crazy? You always go, you win your tournaments, you get those championships. You convinced me. You totally convinced me. I would, I, I can't believe it. You're totally I want right. a team I that's would... rested and yeah. fresh. And you know what? A little bit pissed off because again, I have no idea if winning the turn, if there's any correlation to winning your conference tournament and losing in the NCAA. I don't know if this is related to Cincinnati or any other teams, but you don't know what goes through the minds of 19, 20-year-old kids who could be like, oh, shit, we just won the tournament. <laughs> we're better than everybody. And you get a little bit comfortable and complacent. So I love I, I, that. I truly believe that there is something to this. So if they lose on, let's say, Friday night in the AAC tournament, they're going to come back and be like, ah, god damn it. I'm pissed. Let's get back to work. Coach, why did we lose? What do we need to do better? And let's go win the next two games. Yeah. Now, here, okay, fine. Here's my hot take. I love everything you're saying. It's going to be sort of the same thing real quick, and then we'll end. If we beat Ohio State, I do not want to win the 
Jamboree Classic, whatever the hell we're doing down in the bottom. <laughs> and the reason, reason is, is I don't want them to get their heads too full that, oh man, we're the best. There's certain games that are okay to lose because that's going to knock you down and say, hey, you're not as good as you think you are. And so if, if we beat Ohio State, I definitely don't want to win that tournament. Um, I, and the reason I'm choosing those particular games is they're away and it, the seeding committee might not notice it, but at least internally, I don't want to lose a game at home to like Illinois State or something like that, that, that would do that. They would still do the same thing, but I think that would hurt our seeding. Uh, but I would be happy for us to lose a game. If we're on a hot streak, we're doing well. I'm okay with even, even going if we're doing so well and maybe the only loss we have is Xavier and we're, we're all the way up. I'm fine if we're like a, Hell, an East Carolina loss. I think that East Carolina loss last year motivated us. I think the Houston loss motivated us. Losses can be a good thing depending on how you handle it. Um, at the end of the year, that Houston loss, I mean, Mick Cronin was starting tryouts. I was, I showed up to fifth third ready to go, but <laughs> he didn't open up the doors. So, but uh, anyway, so that's, that's my That's because you couldn't reach the door now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think on that note. <laughs> I love it. On that note, thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll obviously revisit these predictions throughout the season. No football game this week. We'll talk about – we're talking about ECU now. We'll talk about the ECU football game next week, and we'll get ready for the Ohio State basketball game. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a rating. Check out downthedrive.com for all your latest Bearcats news. Follow me on Twitter at M-S-S-C-H-N-E-I-D. Follow at Down the Drive. Follow down the drive you see on Instagram and Scotty hit him up with your social media also. Yeah, absolutely. Follow me on at Scooter Booms, C O O T E R B O O M S. I'm also on Instagram at Scotty Whitehouse. Booms. Thank you all for listening. Go Bearcats. Go Bearcats.